We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 264. Our guest today is an American show jumper and entrepreneur. She went to the Olympics at a very young age and is now doing so much for the equestrian industry through businesses. She co-founded the Pony app, but lately she has been working on her newest endeavor, Preview. Preview is the first fantasy gaming platform for the equestrian industry. And no, it's not unicorns and rainbows or a video game, but is taking different stats and analytics from the show jumping sport and allowing different viewers, riders, or just observers of the sport, fanatics of the sport, to place bets and see what the different outcomes are. It's very much like fantasy football or betting and horse racing. So exciting and so cool. It takes so much work and stats to collect behind this. So I really wanted to get our guest on today for a little life update. If you want to hear her full story, go back to episode four. I know that is a throwback of the Equestrian Podcast to hear her full story. But without further ado, please welcome my guest today, Lucy Davis. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Bethany. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Good. Busy. Thank you. Yeah, really. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, I'm so excited to catch up with you because you were one of my OG episodes, like from the very beginning. A couple so, years ago already. So crazy. <laughs> I know. Back in like, yeah, I think back in 2019. So um, obviously stuff has happened. So would love to kind of hear. But for those of you who didn't, for, for people listening who didn't hear your original episode, Give me a little, like a little life um, before we get to your life update. Talk to me a little bit how you first kind of got into the horse world. Sure. Um, I guess it all kind of started with my grandfather, who was a jockey's agent. So um, ended up on the racetrack. My mom grew up around horses. Um, you know, I grew up going to the races and. Um, really when my mom was moved out to Los Angeles and she, you know, she called it her sort of sanity, uh, outlet, um, would, would be to go to this sort of local, um, community called Sullivan Canyon in right kind of in Brentwood in LA. And so I just started going with her and caught the bug very early, started, grew up riding there and kind of through this California circuit, um, a couple of shows a year. And then when I was a teenager, got to focus a bit more on it and, uh, guess the rest is history from there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are very modest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about some, um, like pivotal moments or some like big highs that have happened in your riding career, things that like really stick out in your mind. Well, I guess, I mean, the Olympics is, was kind of my lifelong dream and goal once I got Baron really, and knew that it could be possible. Baron was my horse for those who might not know. And, you know, I always, people always ask how it was. And I always say it's the 
only time that expectations actually uh, don't exceed reality. Like it was better. <laughs> and, you know, every time you're looking forward to an event or a party or whatever for so long, it's always a letdown. And that was just uh, such a whirlwind. But there were a lot of pivotal points leading up to that, that, that definitely get kind of dwarfed by the Olympics and the medal and, you know, all of that kind of uh, exposure and, you know, competing in places all over the world you know, arenas like Aachen in front of big crowds, getting to travel a lot, um, getting to even ride. We had a really great crew of California kids who grew up doing all the junior young rider competitions, which kind of at each stage were, were many highlights in, in the career. And so even actually before the Olympics, when I wasn't sure if I was going to make it or not, or, you know, was all stressed out, uh, (laughs) I, I just kind of realized like, wow, this journey has been so many moments that have made it, if I make it amazing, if I don't, it's still been such a, a literal ride. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I could, I could speak to a lot, but I would say in general, getting to travel, getting to meet so many amazing horse people and learn from, you know, peers and competitors who've been more experienced, like U.S. teammates or mentors and friends. And so it's been an amazing journey. Being a young Olympian, what was life like for you after? Were you kind of like, well, I I did it. Like we, I went to the Olympics, like check, amazing. What did that look like for your riding after? Did it give you like more motivation to like make bigger goals, come back, do more? Um, Did it make you want to like take a little break, appreciate what just happened? Like, how was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think if you Google uh, like Lucy Davis Olympics, it like the first article is like Lucy Davis recovers from burnout, and you know, like all the, something that uh, some clickbaity um, sure. interview that I did, where it's <laughs> the one thing they extrapolated. But right. I mean, I think you kind of ride this wave, and then there there definitely is a come down where I always knew I loved riding, and it wasn't that I that I liked riding any less, but it is such a long, hopefully career in the industry, if that's what you're looking for. And yeah, I kind of, my focus, my goal was just to go um, to the Olympics. So I I was kind of like, what's next? What is, what am I working towards? What I'm a very kind of goal oriented person. And I just didn't know what that would be. And I felt definitely a little bit lost. Um, And that's when I, kind of explored like, okay, I I went to school at Stanford. I studied architecture, went, did some interviewing for that was kind of, you know, dipping my toe into other parts of, of, you know, real life uh, as uh, people like to say. And, uh, and it just kind of kept coming back to, I love riding. I love the horses. I definitely, I can't ever do it the same, not meaning that I can't ever do it to that level again, but it it won't be the same journey, the same horse, the same. I won't be the young phenom. Like I won't, if I do it again, it'll be totally different. And so in the meantime, you know, what is going to, what is going to be my next new thing? And that's when sort of, I realized that there were a lot of, in my uh, opinion, kind of inefficiencies in our industry, um, ways that we could improve to put it nicely. <laughs> um, and just started kind of, I think being in an entrepreneurial bubble of, uh, you know, 
the Stanford campus in Silicon Valley my senior year, I was kind of like, I can fix these problems <laughs> and sort of naively dove into the entrepreneur life. But, um, you know, after many steps of learning what to do, what not to do, and many wonderful people helping me along the way, I've now, uh, now on startup 2.0 and, and really fulfilled by working, you know, and running a business within the equestrian space, uh, still. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's obviously been a really cool part of your story that you have managed to make it to the highest level of, of our sport and, um, see kind of from the outside and then have been able to like create a business around it. Um, I know you've been founder and a part of some incredible equestrian businesses, but let's talk a little bit about your newest endeavor. Um, something that I think is so exciting and so huge. So tell me a little bit about preview, um, how it came to your mind, kind of how that all got started. Definitely. I think, um, it was kind of a culmination of a lot of steps, um, and ideas, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, uh, and kind of a mix of the journey I just shared in, in addition to, you know, working at, uh, and starting pony app with, uh, Lindsay Douglas. And then also I, I trained, at Old Salem Farm and sort of saw that whole side of being a professional. And throughout that, I kind of realized, you know, there are so many ways that we can grow and improve. And a lot of people are trying really different, exciting routes, but nothing seems to be working. And there's even events with like major capital and things like that. And there's individuals with a lot of money in the space. And, and why can't we kind of break out of this niche category as a sport and all of all of these steps uh in addition to like i said having a horse racing family and seeing what essentially betting has done for for their industry um it kind of led me to think and research and and pay attention a bit more to the shifting legal landscape of sports betting and fantasy gaming which kind of went from your grandpa at the races of the cigar, you know, um, to a lot of young, you know, every, every guy in the office, like pooling together, doing their fantasy game and their picks and, and being a lot more kind of community oriented and younger audience that is a sports fan and wants to, to deepen their engagement. And so I kind of realized that equestrian was getting uh, left behind once again uh, in this uh, kind of, growing trend and uh so kind of started on the path to create fantasy games for the sport which fundamentally kind of in looking into that realized that the actual crippling part of of our sport and industry is this lack of data lack of horse rider information you know we have records and archives all over the place in multiple federations and breeding organizations but it's so hard to access if you even can. And what was really crucial for not only gaming and betting, but broadcasting and any sort of media um, marketing promotion of the sport is this concept of live data. So we, when I started preview uh, in April last year, that was the first thing we did. I recruited a few Stanford engineers that I, uh, that I knew from school who were incredibly talented and they helped me build 
um, custom software to basically log new data points in real time. Uh, so instead of four faults and 70 seconds, which maybe you and I know what that means, but what does it really mean? Like if you're an audience person, why is it four faults? Why isn't it one fault? You know, what is, what is a fault? Um, and so kind of layering this additional information, it was four faults on jump number four, which was a Liverpool vertical off the left lead with the front legs on grass at this time of day in this starting order. There's so many pieces of the puzzle that make the sport technical. Um, so we've built a team to basically collect all that info. We have a little over 50 data journalists now who are all young women um, who are sports fans and get to kind of basically get paid to watch horse shows. So if you're interested in that, email us. But it really all started from that and, and starting to process analytics and insights in real time so that we could fundamentally kind of grow the sport and, and introduce new products, which first of you know, those is, as I said, the kind of the fantasy games and, and using gaming as a gateway to getting new eyeballs and actually bridging the gap between maybe people that might find themselves at a horse show, having no idea what's going on and actually want to and want to and want to learn more week over week. So that's the long winded kind of uh, <laughs> background, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the winding path that got us here. I feel like I'm especially being a leader in this area for the equestrian world. There are, you know, like a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for you to educate the space because I think there's a lot of stigma around the idea of fantasy and gaming um, that maybe a lot of people don't have either one have a clear idea or have certain like stereotypes or thoughts behind. Um, obviously, the idea of more of like a male dominated activity fantasy you think of like football think of like betting I feel like it, there's kind of that whole stigma around it too so kind of walk me through maybe some stigma or things that you have heard from people and things that you feel like you've had to maybe educate the space on yeah I mean I early on I'm thinking back on conversations I had with companies like DraftKings and, you know, just doing research, engaging interests in equestrian sport in general. And they're like, yeah, more sports are great. And we're all year round. It's actually really conducive, our format to sports betting and gaming. But, you know, and sports books are really, you know, trying to figure out how to engage women and, and, you know, new audiences in general. So they're like, I mean, yeah, if you could get a girls on, that'd be great. But I don't really know because like women are kind of risk averse and, you know, I got a lot of these narratives and, and actually like research studies um, done by men that all talk about like, Oh, women are just risk averse. And I'm like, I don't, not really the women that I've met and not really horse girls. Like I'm pretty sure it's kind of an intense sport. So um you know, maybe if your platform actually offered something they were interested in and in a sort of user interface that was a little bit better looking and, you know, more interactive that actually we love gaming because, um, because it's fun and it's competitive and it's community based. And so that's actually what's a great difference between sports betting and gaming or fantasy gaming is 
you know, it's your, and for our preview games, you're entering in a pool of, you're with other entrants. So you can do your individual picks, but then you're ranked amongst your peers. And uh, so you can see like if you outperformed or underperformed your friends and, you know, or there's some people, because a lot of people have sort of their names as their handles. You can be, you know, Laura Kraut plays like every game and is, is proof of that, you know, experts uh, making predictions is, uh, you know, the more you learn, the better you do. Uh, and I always see her placing and I'm like, Laura, <laughs> but I'm glad she loves it. Um, yeah, and she's cashing in. She's cashing in and, um, you know, they're free to, the games are free to play. So it's real cash on real classes. So the fantasy, that's also been a barrier, you know, fantasy is not unicorns and, um, you know, video games. It's, I don't know why it was originally called that, but, you know, we are running these games on real competitions. So you can, and actually seeing that people are coming in, like an average of a little over three times during the class to see how their picks are doing. And, and that's where it's fun because you can, instead of paying attention to maybe the one person, you know, or, you know, Oh, like the U S riders or, you know, there's 50 riders in a Grand Prix at, at a, you know, a major show. So this gives you an opportunity to be kind of engaged the whole time. And, um, and there's, you know, layers of kind of games within the games of, um, you know, doing it with friends. So uh, the more you educate yourself and, you know, click into the profiles of the horses and the riders and look at their stats and see, you know, try to do better within the games, you're actually under the surface, just learning more, you know, so it's exactly uh, I was thinking there's like so much like, room to build out this because you could I mean I could see people using it eventually for like horse sales and like you know like because you have all of the stats there and you have or you know like putting different teams together you have you know different like rider information so I I think that there's just like so much that can be done just you know kind of like what you were saying just the sheer fact of not having a place that has all the data Do you ever look at incredible horse show setups or a really well turned out horse at the horse show and they have the perfect scrim that's monogrammed and color coordinated or just stunning tack room drapes at the horse show? Well, the clothes horse has been manufacturing custom made horse blankets, tack room drapes, trunk covers since 1972. Every single order is taken and entered into a computer as a custom order. So all the details are spelled out according to the customer's specific requests and needs. Then each individual order is cut in chronological order, one piece at a time by hand. I can't think of hardly, I mean, really any businesses that still do that today. I think their attention to detail is absolutely incredible. So if you are looking for blankets, tack room stuff, or maybe just an incredible horse show setup, go check out The Clothes Horse. It's The Clothes Horse, C-L-O-T-H-E-S dot com and learn a little bit about all the different products that they have and the services they offer. Again, that's theclotheshorse.com. Take me through, for someone who's maybe never been a part of gaming or been a part of um, like a fantasy sport, kind of walk me through start to finish what it would be like taking part in gaming. Definitely. So 
like I said, our games are free to play. The only thing we require is that you create an account and um, you, you have to be 18 or older um, to, to participate. So it's just kind of how it is in most States. So, and it's, you know, if you're in the U S Europe, Canada, you're good to go as soon as you create your account, which hopefully is pretty seamless, you can enter a game. And so there's two formats. One is this sort of basic head-to-head matchup, this rider versus that rider or horse rider combination. And we, you know, all the games are based on a point system. So you get to, there's, you know, a total possible points and then total possible of what you pick. And according to how, again, the riders do, um, you get awarded points when you win your picks and then you're ranked against everyone else. Um, and there's sort of different strategies to like for the head to head, for example, it's, uh, we are using our analytics, our predictions that we're creating off of the data we've been logging. Uh, and so we might say, okay, the probability that Laura Kraut goes clear on Confu and her, you know, old veteran partner is probably quite high in this class on grass, you know, when she's starting 30th in the order, whatever the, you know, the circumstances are, we take into account all those variables, which is why, you know, like I said, performance isn't just about clear round percentages or placings or it's, it's really about kind of all of these variables and consistent performance across all of those. Um, And so we see those probabilities, then we set two combinations against each other. And, uh, and the favorite is usually the one that has the the least amount of points if you pick them. Um, So essentially you get rewarded if you, if the long shot wins. And so some people do it off of points and just, you know, I'm going to pick all the underdogs because if I win, I'll get more points. It's, it's similar to if you have been on the racetrack or, or if you have, you know, that you, that you can kind of do it just based off of points or some people do it. Like if they don't know who the riders and horses are yet. And uh, they just, I like this horse name. This guy looks cute. You know, anything works really, because as we all know that the competition is in real life is so variable that yeah. sometimes you just win picking randomly. And I do have friends that are now playing every week that don't have nothing to do with horses and just kind of help get on early to help me test bugs and things. And now actually play now they're hooked <laughs> week because they're like, well, I kind of win money and it's kind of fun. Now I know now I'm like, and you know, there we have a, the global tour show in governor's Island and they're like, Oh yes, we can finally go see these people. You know, and I'm like, this is great. Um, so that's, you know, the, the second game is an over-under on faults. It's a similar concept with the points, but it's just predicting whether we'll put, you know, their predicted faults. So rounding up or down 0.5, mm-hmm. let's say three and a half. Um, and you'll say like, okay, Laura will be over or under three and a half. And so that one's actually kind of more of a, uh, and the experts kind of do better on that, actually, just knowing the course and the formats and, and like I said, there's so many learning steps embedded within it that, uh, you know, it's, it's, we've been seeing already what we've hoped was going to happen and which has happened in pretty much every other sport that's introduced gaming, which is people paying attention and tuning in and learning more. Um, 
has has started. So I'm I'm really really excited. That is so cool. I love that. And when you were first kind of creating, I mean, because obviously there's so much back end from a business standpoint that you needed to put in place for this to get started. How did you know? which variables or what was kind of like the sweet spot of information to collect? Good question. I, so what always frustrated me as a writer is that, you know, writers are a lot, paying a lot more attention than, you know, one might expect. Um, and, and saying things like, oh, I don't, this horse doesn't do well on grass or, you know, there sometimes, you know, I was watching the world championships this morning and, everybody starting off the left lead and Dennis Lynch started off the right lead. And the commentator was like, Oh, that's interesting. This is the first rider that started off the right lead. And I was like, well, let's go look at its faults. Like, are they mostly oxers off the left lead? Because that's the first jump here. So it's like, no wonder it's not random that Dennis is choosing to do this. You know, it's not more convenient. So what's the reason. And so I kind of just felt like we needed to put data behind that. And the, Leads are, you know, something that people talk about a lot. Sort of also, you know, horses that have hind rails or front rails. So those sort of in-game, you know, live data points, I thought were kind of a great place to start. And then a lot of them are truly just static um, that aren't being collected. It's uh, the surface, the arena size, the time of day, the position in the starting order. You know, all these things are you know, some people do better in the beginning, some in the end, like there's, and, and just number of jump, uh, numbering the jumps, you know, they had, they always have verticals and they're always at the end of the course, you know, maybe it's a fitness thing. There's so many, so many variables. So we started with, okay, let's actually put together these static ones that we can ensure also are accurate. And then let's layer in a new form of live collection to to get these sort of a little bit more technical you know data points like lead and things like that that are hugely important for performance and and for us to layer in that sort of technicality that is required for i mean every every application of it in my opinion i feel like that's the reason why this hasn't been a thing yet because i think it required someone like you who has been at the top of the sport to really understand. And, um, you know, when you are walking a course, when you are, you know, prepping for a big class, these are, as riders, these are the intricacies that we talk through and think through. But if it were to be someone who was, you know, a sports fan or, you know, like enjoyed horses or equestrian sport mm-hmm. and put this together, it clearly would not be the same because you this would actually besides the whole gaming aspect, like this information is also so useful for the sport. Um, But it had to come from someone who knew and understood and understood the importance and the intricacy of the data and, you know, why that, why those things really do matter. Cause I feel like if it were someone else, you know, it would just be the faults in time and, you know, kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of, it's easy to put numbers in an Excel and create an average, but we we really wanted to speak to, like I said, performance, because that's not only for educational purposes, for gaming and ultimately sports betting, but also for athletes, you know, to know um, all my all my rails 
are off the left lead, you know, hind hind legs on oxers, like maybe I should talk to my vet, you know, maybe I have a flat tire if my horse Mm. keeps drifting Um, or maybe it's a rider thing to work on. There's, and, you know, I hope that we can, we're starting with top sport and top riders, but hopefully we can start to grow and scale so that we can reach more arenas and and athletes can have those. Um, But it is funny that you say that because when we were building the collection software with, with these guys from Stanford, they were like, there's how many for another format with speed. Now it's, now it's time false converted speed. They're like, what? they're like, okay. And I really see why nobody could do this. Exactly. But a crazy horse person. Exactly. Like, yeah. Absolutely. What would you say is an area of the industry that you have found yourself, you know, today, super passionate, uh, you know, in, but you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about, or doesn't talk that much about. I mean, I think, you know, data, um, obviously immersed in that and and pretty biased and dedicating a lot of time there, but it just is truly fundamental. Like you said, this could work for sales. This could, it, it, it inherently brings transparency to and value to, um, certain horses and riders and their performance. And, you know, also extends to breeding and breeders. And, you know, there's all these facets that are really, really struggling. And you see, you know, more sponsorship going to, you know, these big events and you're like, oh, the sport's growing, but, you know, the, the sort of, it's only in a really kind of one direction. And so I felt like this is the missing piece of the puzzle. And, you know, fortunately, when you are really behind so many other sports, like we've just been able to really cherry pick from what others are doing super well. And you can see not only big and and major and wonderful sports grow, but also sports that uh, I didn't even know was a sport like table tennis, you know, or they had the uh, world championship for darts last week and there are 50,000 people there. And that was all because they started you know, putting data to it, doing sports betting off of it. And it's like, okay, now all of that becomes now those darts players, those ping pong players, table tennis players, like instead of doing it on the weekend as a hobby, like they're salaried, they're uh, sponsored, they're like, this is their job now, you know? And so it's, it's just, it wouldn't be possible without the data. And, you know, from, engagement and education to horse rider performance to like personally I would love to start working with some more vets and some more um, supplements companies and medication uh, you know I guess providers and vets just to just see like when you change a supplement does it actually affect you or performance or do you just feel like oh they they feel a bit like fitter you know I mean right it's speculation and it's been driving me crazy for years so Hopefully we can um, start to piece off uh, mm-hmm. some other verticals within the space. But we, like I said, started with the data and then hopefully gaming can get some more attention to what we're doing. Who have been some of the most surprising regular users? I know you mentioned Laura, but what are some surprising users that you've noticed? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of friends um, and, and competitors in the space, um, like we have a huge list of of top riders actually that have have told me like it actually helps me tune in to more classes than I normally would have cool. um, and um so you know I'm just like thinking through 
people like um, Brian Mowbray is at the World Games. He he plays it. My our friend Elise Oaken just uh, she's our highest earner. She's won over like twelve hundred bucks in nice. the last a month or two on the platform. And uh, Chloe Reed, who I used to train with, you know, it's just it's cool to hear from them that you know like I'm playing your games. I'm like oh so really? cool. Awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's it. amazing. Um, I love that so that level too. Mm -hmm. I'm you know friends of mine in New York like I said that don't know anything about it so that's that's the goal right and exactly it's finding something like that is so rare that it will be user-friendly enough for people outside the industry who don't know it but then that is information and a platform that can further the sport while also being valuable for people within the industry that do know their stuff and do you know they can fact check and make sure that this stuff is accurate which it is so I think you have found a way to really marry the two and I think it's going to do huge things for the sport so Lucy thank you so much (laughs) for taking the time Um, for people who haven't checked out preview um what's the best what's the best step for them to head to yes so we are a website not an app yet so uh preview is spelled p-r-i-x like a grand prix so p-r-i-x v-i-e-w so it's preview.com and you can get right in on that we also you know follow us on social email us at info at preview.com if you want to learn more or become a data journalist or um you know hopefully we'll be growing a team of i'm now calling it horse tech so uh, largely women in horse tech so if that interests you as well like please don't hesitate to reach out with interest or feedback on the product we uh we're like i said trying to make trying to grow trying to make it as better as good as we can absolutely um, yeah Thanks for letting me uh, ramble on about it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. And I'm so pumped that you came back on the podcast. Anytime, anytime. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.